Welcome to the Superpower Success Podcast. At Keystone, we believe exceptional organizations don't just happen. They are built by focused leaders that recognize their authentic leadership superpowers. Join us for a serious dose of inspiration. Welcome to the Superpower Success Podcast. We are so glad you're here and we have got a great show for you today. I've got Eliza James. She's the owner and CEO of City Girl Coffee. If you don't know who they are, look them up right now because all of us live on coffee. We know how that works. But she's also a local female business owner that I've watched for years. So to say I'm excited to have her on the podcast is an understatement. Um, I love what she's doing. Um, I remember years ago, she won awards at, a, at something I was at. And I just thought this chick looks cool. Like she knows what she wants and she knows what she's doing. And, you know, she's in a unique space too. So I'm just excited for all of you to hear her journey and for us to talk all things leadership. So Aliza, welcome. Thank you, Jamie. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited to have this conversation. And we just had a conversation on your podcast a couple of weeks ago. So that's out there. So if if this isn't enough for everybody and they need an extra dose of Jamie and Elisa, you can go listen to that podcast as well. That's it. So I love it. Look at the tables. Yes. So (laughs) just to start today, you know, I don't do big bios. I just, I love leaders to just share whatever they want to share about their journey. What, what's, what has happened that's kind of gotten you to this point in your success? Yeah, I've had a very winding road. Um, (laughs) So I went to Syracuse. um, I did my undergrad in retail marketing, actually a minor in music industry. Um, before that, I actually wanted to go into um, music. I had every intention in my life to to go into um, vocal jazz, musical theater, be a singer songwriter. Um, I got vocal nodules while I was in high school, and so that pivoted me into a new space. And that's kind of how I landed in the in the uh, corporate world. Um, after I graduated, I, I spent a few years in Boston working for the Boston Beer Company, Sam Adams, doing sales and marketing. Mm-hmm not marketing so much, but outside sales for them in and around the Boston area. Um, and then actually left after a couple of years, went back to get my master's in school counseling. So I had intention of being a high school guidance counselor. Um, and right after I finished that program, my parents whom started the company, Alec have coffee roasters. So they started they started our family in the coffee roasting journey in 1990, um, came to me and said, you know, we really are ready to retire. Um, they had approached me a couple different times about whether or not I wanted to join the business. And the answer had always been no, I didn't want to move back to Minnesota. I didn't feel that I had the passion for coffee and the business the way that my dad and mom did, you know, uh, and and can get into that story too. That's a whole different, whole different uh, origin story. But ultimately, um, when they came to me this time, there was just something internally, some kind of red flag went up and I didn't want to see you know, I, I was an only child and I felt like this business in some sense was my sibling because I had, I was five when my parents started the company and, and I felt some sense of obligation to carry on the legacy. And also there was, you know, I, I happened to be coming home for my best friend's wedding and her now husband picked me up in, in Minneapolis and we drove North for the wedding. And he was in my ear the whole time saying, you know, what, 
I think I was 25 or 26 at the time. He's like, what 26 year old has this opportunity to take this kind of a business with this legacy, with this um, profitability, with this level of sales, all this kind of stuff. I mean, think of what you could do. And I hadn't ever thought about it in that sense. I had always thought of it as my parents' company. I had never thought about oh, there is an opportunity to take what my parents have built as a platform and use that as a jumping off point to create something that is more representative of me. And so it was kind of that conversation that really changed my my trajectory and it changed the tenor of the conversation with my parents. And, and it was more around, okay, if if I come back, you know, what would this look like? You come and spend some time with me. Teach me parts of the business, you know, that I I wasn't really exposed to as a child or from the outside. But as long as I can move to Minneapolis, because I knew for sure I didn't want to move back from the East Coast to Duluth. I knew that was was sure that's where the business was based. Um, so sort of like as long as I can move back to Duluth uh, to Minneapolis and run the company from there, and I can use this and kind of leverage it, then I am then I am interested. And also, let me see if I have. Um, passion for it the way that my parents did, right? I needed just uh, a trial period and they were really open to that. And so I came back, quickly realized, you know, I did have kind of that passion. Um, but what I realized was, you know, my parents had built this amazing company, but we had just sort of lost our differentiation in the marketplace. So the the, the space that the company was living in was just so drastically different from what it had originated in. And so I kind of set on set out on this journey to create something that was, again, kind of more representative of me and my voice and the next coffee consumer. And, and that's how we sort of stumbled into the City Girl brand because I, um, I attended a, a breakfast um, for an organization and, and became aware of the inequity that female farmers are faced with and, and really f- uh, you know, kind of my aha moment to say, okay, here's an opportunity to take coffee and and align it with my values. And that really is to empower women and to bring um, awareness to um, the inequity that, that female farmers are faced. And so with the City Girl brand, we've been able to, you know, source exclusively from women owned and manage and then work through some various organizations and, and sponsorship opportunities to give back to women throughout the supply chain. So it's been a really wild and winding road for sure. Um, but it's been an exciting one. Well, I always say the most successful people I know do not have career ladders. They have career jungle gyms. Yeah. Right. And there's a little bit of time on the tire swing and maybe some time on the ropes court, you know, it's different. And I think that's what makes you prepared to be able to navigate whatever you're going to have to navigate, especially in the entrepreneurship world. Yeah. I also find it fascinating because we work with a lot of family owned businesses, right? And right now you're going through this a lot, just with the transition of generations and the boomers, you know, trying to figure out what's next. And what I love is that and you may not realize it being this close to it is that your family and your parents allowed you to take the business and make it what your passions were, right? Knowing you could have an impact, you could be profitable and make money doing that. A lot of families hold on to this is what we, we've always done it. And they force the next generation into that same mold. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of businesses struggle in those family businesses, specifically through the generations. Well, and I think kudos to my parents because it was actually, so I graduated college in 2008. So at the peak of the recession and my parents know me very well and they know that if I can take a path of least resistance, I will. Um, <laughs> that's not to say that I'm lazy. It's just that I try to be crafty about, right. about yes. it. 
Um, and so I think they saw the writing on the wall that if I didn't have to go out and look for a job because it was a really challenging job market, I would just instinctively fall back on and come back to the business because that would what would be apparently easy to for me to do. And so at that point, my parents actually said, you are not allowed to come back to the business. If at some point down the road, you decide you want to, because you are passionate and you see an opportunity to, to make this your future, then we can have that conversation and welcome you. We will welcome you with open arms. But at this juncture, you are not, this is not an option for you. You have to go out and figure out something for yourself yep. and sort of make your own path a little bit first. And then we can have that conversation. So I think, you know, and then it was when the first time they came back, I was like, nope, not ready. You know, so it was really a timing thing for us. But I think, you know, kudos to them, because I think that is really a challenge for a lot of second generations is, again, I sort of use this word obligation. But for me at that point, it wasn't like an obligation in a negative sense. It was an internal sense of, of drive, right? And it was, and yeah, yeah. Yep. But you had to find that out for on your own. And I think that's a really, it's it's a beautiful story because it doesn't always happen that way. Yeah. Um, If you look back, even in your more corporate days and and as you've grown City Girl Coffee, is there a leadership moment that really formed who you are as a leader? Like that moment where you're like, I'll never forget. Someone said this to me. You know, it's hard for me to pinpoint a moment. I think because the challenge, again, I was, I was so young um, to be stepping in as a CEO owner. So the transition between my parents and I was meant to happen much more slowly. Mm-hmm. And because of the things I was doing with city girl, and I had actually started, I had opened like a cafe concept at the same time. That was a different entity. And, and my parents, again, kudos to them kind of were like, you know what, these are your these are, this is your journey. These are your risks. You need to have ownership. You need to have ownership now. So that trans, that, that transfer of power, so to speak, quote unquote, happened much sooner than it had intended and probably sooner than maybe it should have. I probably wasn't ready to take quite on what I took on. Um, but because I was young, because I was a second generation owner, there was so many challenges in that I would get faced with a lot of, well, that's not what your mom or dad used to say, or that's, we've tried that before, or, you know, pipe down little girl, like you don't know what you're talking about. Very dismissive, very um, condescending kind of communication. And there were several employees who had literally watched me grow up. So to have them, right, to see them, to have them see me as not this five-year-old, six-year-old little girl who was coming in from dance class next door, playing with and eating chocolate covered coffee beans to see me as the leader of the business was definitely a challenge. And I tried to really walk that line, but I think there was a moment about maybe two years, maybe three years in, two or three years in, and I had reinstated end of year reviews and it was like the first year that I did them, everything seemed fine. Then all of a sudden it was like, everything had gone off the track Mm -hmm. things. I mean, the feedback I was getting from every employee was terrible feedback. It was really negative. No one seemed happy. I mean, it was, and I just remember I was driving back from Duluth after those. And I called my parents and just sobbing, like I've totally failed. I have completely failed. Things are off the track. Nobody's happy. I've ruined this company, all this. And it was that moment. I think that I had to dig down inside and say, it is not my job to, 
pacify to try to emulate my parents. It is my job to establish myself and my voice and make myself the 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 beacon for what I want the culture and tenor of this company to look and feel like I need to step up now. I need to, I need to, to step into that position. And so, you know, we did an all company two day meeting and we spent kind of took a step back and did a ton of start with why Simon Sinek and really get back to the basics. And that I think was a turning point for me to say, okay, I have value. I have perspective that is important is necessary and I need to vocalize it much more frequently. I need to have a more physical and, and, and heavy presence in terms of what my leadership looks like. So I think that again, it's sort of a winding journey, but I think for me, that was probably the pivoting moment. And I love what I hear in that story is you had to build trust, but trust isn't just pacifying people. Trust is they had to feel like you had the reins and you saw how the market was changing, right? You saw that kind of vision of what we should be. And that helps plant the seeds of change because it is change no matter what they're going through that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think about, I, I think about it now too, because our company is going through kind of another transition period and, you know, we have team members not navigating that with us and choosing to step back. And we have, you know, everybody is frustrated and, and I understand, I understand that too. And and it's, it's our job as leaders to take ownership and responsibility, but also to, to, to guide from a place of possibility and to not live in the stuck and the yuck. Right. So we had a, um, all day, a two day company meeting. So we just recently separated, you know, we've got the Alicef, which is the legacy company and the brand and then city girl. And so we've just separated those sort of in a more formal way as now, you know, city girl has really kind of grown into its own entity. And, and so it was meeting with really just more of kind of the Alicef core team. And, and it was just a lot, like the first day was just kind of a lot of like coming back to what the core challenge and problems are. And so the second day I really started that meeting from a place of, listen, I know that this thing exists and we are not going to solve this today or tomorrow. I am working around the clock to get that solved. But what I'm asking from you is for you to put yourself in a place of six months from now, nine months from now, 12 months from now, when we are beyond this challenge and to put yourself in a place of possibility. Because from this place of like, we live, we are living here day to day and it sucks and it's yucky and it doesn't feel good and it's hard. We can't even dream of possibility. We can't even think of possibility and solution. So I'm asking to just put yourself, I know it's hard, right? But for me, I think about that as a leadership role to really get our people to come with us from that place of like stuck. It's totally. And it's what you're saying is you're helping them build their growth mindset because as humans, we see the obstacle and we think the obstacle is meant to stop us when the obstacle is actually meant to teach us something that we need for the rest of the journey. But the fixed mindset is there's an obstacle, right? We have to stop. And growth mindset is, but what's around that obstacle? Like, let's go find out what's on the other side of it, because there's more, we have more potential. And you also reminded me, I know the listeners can't see this, but book I just got from Dan Sullivan and Benjamin Hardy just came out. 10 X is easier than two X. And it's exactly what you're talking about. It's that mindset 
that 10xing a business and thinking longer term, not just problems and where's our next customer going to come from, yeah, is actually better than trying to figure out like how do yeah. we get one more customer because it keeps yeah. you very small minded yeah. in what's possible, and that's exactly what you're instilling in your team. But it takes time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's a great story. So who, if you had to describe the leader you are today and listen, this changes, like I I've shared openly 2022 was one of the hardest years for me. Now from a business standpoint, the business was great. It was me as a leader, one of the hardest years, right? So I think we're constantly in this evolution, but if you had to describe the leader you are today and like the superpowers that you think, right, we all have unique superpowers. What are the superpowers that you think make you a good leader today? You know, I think part of it is being authentic and vulnerable. I'm willing to share the challenges. I I don't know if my team shares that sentiment with me or not, because I think sometimes maybe I'm too transparent. Um, but I don't, you know, I I just I am who I am. That's always how I've been when I was when I was in grad school and I was waitressing. Um I I had my general manager came to me one day and said, said Eliza you're a fantastic waitress, you know, maybe one of the best that I've ever worked with, but number one, my glass cost has gone up considerably. So I just need you to be a little bit more careful. You talk with your hands a lot and break a lot of glasses, I love the but most, right. But most importantly, um, you know, you are a really magnetic person. And so when you walk in here in a good mood, the entire staff is in a good mood. When you walk in here in a bad mood, the entire staff is in a bad mood. And I just need you to be aware of that. And it was so powerful for me because I knew I was outgoing and a natural born leader and blah, 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 yada, yada. But I did not realize from someone else's perspective, perhaps how impactful my energy has. And I know that I'm super aware of it and it's still that way today. And so with my team, I think I try really hard, but when I'm feeling really down in the dumps, it's it, it just oozes out of me. And when I'm upset or when I'm, I just can't hide any of my emotions. And I think that's both a superpower and kryptonite yes. <laughs> kind of all rolled into one, um, you know, to be vulnerable, to say like, I hear you. I, you know, I, especially kind of ha- having my counseling background, I had lots of friends who, when I took the business were sort of saying, wow, aren't you glad you got this degree that you'll never use and jokes on them. I use my counseling every degree day. every day. I tell people I should have gotten a psych degree, like a mi- yeah. at least a minor, like, because it would help yeah. me so much every day. Like I hear you, you are heard, you are seen. How do we solve this? You know, I mean, just being able to be empathetic and to have sympathy and compassion. I mean, those are just such amazing skills. So for me, I think that truly is my, my superpower is being able to meet people where they're at emotionally and to, to have, to bring sort of the human aspect of leadership back into our culture is like really, really important to me. Um, but I'm also in a transition period in my life too. So while the company is kind of in transition, I mean, I've got a two and a half year old, I'm pregnant with twins and, you know, so like there's a lot going on. A lot in my going on. Yeah. Too. yeah. So I think, you know, being able to kind of set boundaries and expectations is so, so, so important. And I try to do that to the best of my ability. Of course, it's something I'm always working on, but, but I think just being human and really being able to see and hear people truly for what they are actually saying and not what their lip service is doing. 
And you're so right on the strength and kryptonite. It's, I mean, every strength has a spectrum, right? Where it can be perceived as negative. You think of somebody who's super analytical, right? Brilliant. They can do a lot of things, but then they get stuck and can't make decisions. Somebody that's super emotional, right? It's the emotions are there, whether it's good or bad. And I'm very similar. I can relate to that. And, and it's that whole positive intelligence. We teach leaders about like, it's literally the aura and the energy that you walk into a room and what ripple effect does that have across the organization? Um, And being aware of it, because I think a lot of us who are more emotional leaders, like you're talking about, struggle with trying, like, we feel like we have to hide having a bad day when it's like, I'm just having a bad day has nothing to do with anybody here. And I'll come in sometimes. And I just, I'm shutting my door and I'll let everybody know, like I'm in a funk and I don't want it to spread. Right. So it has nothing to do with anybody here, but I just, I got to kind of just be in my space for today and having that trust and that respect with a team can go a long ways because then it doesn't have to negatively impact them. Mm -hmm. I think that's great. I think it's a great superpower to have. As you look at 2023 and beyond, and like you said, I feel like we're in the same place. We're at like a transition point in a business, which is just natural. It's like, I equate it to how kids grow, right? It's it's growth spurts. And then they kind of plateau for a while. And then they have a big growth spurt and then they plateau. Businesses do the same thing. And so what's the biggest challenge that you're facing or that you kind of see on the, you know, on the horizon for your business and, and how are you tackling it? Yeah. I mean, Right now, it's it's just access to capital. I mean, I think, you know, we've tried to bootstrap as far as we can and having the right team around me to support the the next stage of growth because I recognize I'm not going to be able to do it by myself. Not that to say I haven't done it by myself. I have an amazing team. But when I say that, I mean just me at the top sitting by myself, kind of making big picture decisions. Um, so so that's our biggest challenge. And I think, quite frankly, you know, we needed to start this journey six to 12 months ago and it just didn't happen. And so we feel like we're playing catch up and we're, you know, at that pivotal point where we need the capital, we need it now. And it takes time and to find the right resources and to make sure that you are building the the right team to support you and not, you know, lose momentum to not lose steam because we're at really at risk right now. I think of, you know, if we don't kind of make sure that that next stage is full invested and supported, then, then we run the risk of not being able to turn the corner and finally climb that mountain. So, um, yeah, that's, that's for sure. I mean, I'm spending just countless hours around the clock trying to, to figure out how are we going to solve, you know, it's, and it's not just a one size, one fix solution. It's not no, a bandaid. It's complicated. Mm-hmm. super complicated, right? There's, there's short-term things that we need to put in place so that we can spend the time to get the long-term things like really well, mm-hmm. you know, situated and all of that. And so, um, yeah. And, and then obviously all of it is happening kind of in tandem with like the birth of my two children. And so it's, like, you know, how do I make sure that I balance, you know, and, and I think that that's both a real potential challenge for not just myself, but for the business as well. Like, how do I balance? I've got a toddler. I have two more babies coming. I need to be able to take that time to recover and to bond and to spend time with them. But also I feel this immense obligation to not lose momentum on the things that 
I know are opportunistic. And so how do I balance that? And also if I don't do a good enough job with that, does that potentially put the business at risk for not being able to take advantage? And that in and of itself is such a heavy burden to bear as the owner and CEO mm-hmm. of this business that that in and of itself has the potential to weigh me down to that place of stuck that we were talking about. Right. And so we're not thinking clearly, right? Totally. Kind of, totally. Yep. 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 And that's yep. where, as we've talked about, right? Advisors and other people that have been there or have seen this right kind of thing is yeah. it's, it's having those people around you that can, that aren't your employees, right? They can say, okay, yeah. tell them out. Like, here's what I've seen, or here's who you should talk. Like, because yeah. I think that's such an important thing. And that's just community in general. Like yeah. if, if we're in a room of 500 leaders right now, and you ask if you feel stuck in some part of your life, personally or professionally right now, raise your hand. I almost guarantee you 500 yeah. people will raise their hand. Totally. And so our, as entrepreneurs and as, you know, higher up you are, sometimes our stuck is a little more visible to everybody else, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah but everybody is feeling this right now. And, and there's, I think we're just working through a lot of change, right? Societally, what we want out of you know life. And it's not just your life stage. I think all of us are going through that in some way. And that's why leadership is so hard right now because yeah. we're trying to help other people navigate life. Yeah, totally. Right. Yeah. So yeah. is there anything you're doing right now in the business that you're like, you know, this is working. This is something we started or something you're doing to help your team that you're like, you're finding success with it. You know, I think, um, so we started EOS Traction a handful of years back. I think just having, are we hitting it out of the park? Probably not. Are we doing it to the letter of the the law? Probably not. But I think just having that structure and having a weekly meeting where our team can get together and really try to drill down into some of the challenges. I think that just creating that safe space and having the the cadence of the quarterly meetings, the weekly meetings, yep. Yep. that piece I think is extremely helpful. And then I think too, you know, one of the the sort of lessons I've learned is if it if the expectation is not crystal clear, then where is your right to have disappointment along that scale? And so I think just getting a ton of clarity on kind of what is the expectation for me and also from my leaders, where do I expect people to step in getting really clear on communication guidelines and things of that nature, where it just all kind of felt wishy-washy and it just leaded to kind of chaos. So I think that's one thing probably that, that we're really trying to kind of focus on is to put some better kind of practices and and procedures in place. And, and that's part of traction too, but, um, you know, just to really all of us to, to, to gain clarity. Um, so that's probably, we the call big- it, we're talking to a lot of clients right now about what, whether, whatever it is, having an operating framework is absolutely crucial, but it's creating the space to have the conversations yeah. instead of just running at 150 miles an hour and everyone's wiped out because it's just amazing when we have an executive team come in and we can give them six or eight hours together to tackle issues and to, you know, and facilitated way. They're like, gosh, this is like therapeutic, right? Mm-hmm. Because we're, ta- we're taking the time to actually dig to the root instead of just try to just MacGyver it right every day and keep moving forward, which is sometimes yeah. how it feels. It truly yeah. does. Yeah. Um, yeah. So everything that we've talked about here today and just from your leadership standpoint, knowing, and you talk to a lot of leaders too, right? Across a lot of different companies on, and kind of where we're at. What's one piece of advice that you would leave them with? A quote, a piece of advice, or just something like, 
here's how to get unstuck. You know, I think the biggest piece of advice is to learn from your mistakes, to sit in your mistakes, Mm. um, to allow yourself to sit in that space of failure and truly let yourself learn what you need to learn before you just try to brush it under the rug and move on. Because I think, you know, now looking back, it's like, God, I made so many mistakes early. If I had just done this, if I had just done that, but early on, I was so scared of failure. I was so scared of disappointment of disappointment, of disappointing my parents, of disappointing my, my staff, of disappointing myself of whatever that was that I just wanted to move at a million miles an hour and just keep going. I, if I had like downtime in my schedule, I was like, well, I got to fill it with something, you know, whereas now it's like, I would kill for that time to be able to go back and be introspective and to learn and to slow down and to really make sure that I am understanding the building blocks as I'm building the house. So maybe it wouldn't feel like our house is a little topsy-turvy at the moment, right? Mm -hmm. We might have a better foundation on on which to have built. So that's, you know, for me, I, I remind myself of that, of, okay, just sit here for a minute. It feels so uncomfortable and it's, you know, it just is not fun, but just let yourself sit here for a minute so that you can really, truly understand what you need, what it is that you need to understand and learn, and then move on. Don't just push through it fast because you will look back and wish that you had taken that time. You know, it's so everything you're saying. So I have a concept that I use with my kids, but it's funny. I've thought about, there might be a book at some point around this because I feel so passionate about it. I call it sit in the suck. Yeah. Something happens and I have teenagers. So when things happen, they're kind of dramatic, right? I mean, it's emotional and it's a tough time of life. And so something happens and I'll, you know, they're in their room or they'll crying or they're upset and I'll just go sit next to them. And I'm like, let's just sit in the suck for a bit. Like it yeah. sucks. Right. Instead of saying, oh, it doesn't suck. You'll be fine. Like, yeah. you're, no, it sucks. Like yeah. let's just sit in it and acknowledge the fact that, but now we don't want to stay here. Right. But we can sit yeah. in it. We can acknowledge it. And then we've got to figure out what we're going to do next. Yeah. And it's that idea of, of you've got to let yourself sit in the suck. That's what I hear you saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love it. Okay. So I want to just take just a little different course here. I've got a couple bonus questions for you just for us to kind of get to know you a little bit more. Um, So the first one is we believe that to lead well, you need to be well. What's one thing you do consistently to manage your own energy as as your chief energy officer? I, so I, I started, um, working out locally. Um, the uh, F45 is a, a chain. There's, mm-hmm. uh, there's one in Southwest Minneapolis that we used to live right around the corner from it. And so I started doing that before, like a year before my wedding to look the best I could and to feel good, whatever. But I have made that a priority ever since it's the longest I've stayed with anything, because for me, it's all, it's also about community. I go, I could be in like the worst mood possible and I show up at the gym and I see friends, I see people who, you know, just want to support me and I leave and I'm like in the best mood. So I literally like that. I protect that time in my schedule as much as possible. I work with my assistant to protect that time. Um, and then I also try to kind of put up some barriers on nights and weekends. I mean, my, my husband's a lawyer and he, you know, kind of needs to be working around the clock, but I really do try to protect family time and me time and and time with my child. You know, I don't need to be looking at my phone 
at emails at night. I don't need to be looking at my phone all at emails all weekend long. So I do really try to protect myself and keep quote, working hours, working hours and family hours, family hours. I think that for me, if it just starts to bleed all over the place, I just, it gets so overwhelming and I can't. Right. And you feel like you're failing on both sides when it bleeds. I like yeah. to feel that. Yeah. Really. yeah. And, and then I'm, I'm actually, um, I'm starting, you know, I've gotten to therapy over, you know, I'm a counselor by degree, but I'm actually starting therapy again, presently here, um, in anticipation of kind of the birth of my, my babies wow. and knowing that that's going to be stressful. And so I try to be really proactive about putting really, you know, uh, knowing, okay, I feel sort of in crisis, but I could feel worse in crisis. But when you are at the breaking point is not when you should be seeking Correct. help. That is um, a beautiful message. Yeah. You right. know, we, it, we, 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 we equate it to not that we as humans are, car, are are the same as cars, but you don't wait until, you know, you get preventative maintenance, you get your oil changed regularly, you check your brakes, you do all these things. You don't wait until you're totally broken down in the middle of the Savannah desert to like mm-hmm. call the tow truck. Right. So, um, I do a pretty good job of kind of trying to check in with myself on, all right, I think I'm kind of me internally, right. Going back to that, the company is off the tracks. Like I'm off the tracks a little bit. And so I think let, like, what can we do to be proactive and get that back on track? Um, I'm pretty good about trying to check in with myself there too. And I love even just like talking about that is because like, I, I mean, my team knows like in front of clients, I'll be like, I was just, I was talking with my therapist last week. You know, it's like, we have to, it's one of my advisors. When I think about my business and my support team, right. That are around me, my therapist is right in there. Because yeah. it makes me, it gives me the place where I'm not going to dump on my spouse or my employees, right? It's just like, that's yeah. not necessarily the right place. Yeah. And it's the place for me to work through the things. So I just, I love as leaders and entrepreneurs, we can just talk about it, that that is an important piece. And I love that preventative maintenance. That's a great way to think about it. Yeah. Um, if you could have coffee with any historical figure, dead or alive, who would it be and why? This is such a hard question for me, but, uh, you know, it's probably like Aretha Franklin or mm-hmm. Whitney Houston yeah. before yeah. Yeah. <laughs> kind of the, like the, the, you know, I just, um, so I, back to your music roots. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Just to, to, you know, just to sit with like the greatest voices of all time and feel that presence. Yeah. That would be like everything. And the last question is what makes you laugh? Like really belly laugh? Um, A lot. <laughs> My son, for sure. He is just like the goofiest little toddler. Um, and Sometimes he'll just say things for him like, where in the world did that <laughs> Where did you hear that? Where did that even come from? You know, I, my, I we watch a lot of comedy. We watch a lot of, we do a lot, go to a lot of stand-up shows. Mm-hmm. Um just being silly. There's, you know, times I just think back to, you know, I've got a couple of like really good girlfriends that we've all been like best friends since like sixth or seventh grade. And, you know, there are just times when we just, you're so tired or just like, you you know what I mean? And it's like, you're slap happy and and you just laughing at anything. Yeah. Somebody says something. And so I think just being around people where, you know, I'm inherently kind of a pretty goofy, silly person. At, at my core. And so, um, and so is my, my husband and so are my closest friends. And so we just tend to just to be goofy. Yeah. yeah. So there's a, there's a lot in life that makes me belly laugh. 
I love it. It's, it's such a therapeutic thing. I just think, you know, and we forget to laugh sometimes, right? We're just running on autopilot and yeah. we forget that. So, well, I love that. This is why I love doing these podcasts is because everybody's got a different journey and everybody's got a different unique perspective on how they look at the world. But when it comes down to it, like we all have stuff that we've gone gotten through and we all have stuff that we're going to have to get through. And at that yeah. human level, I think that's the most important part of this entire conversation is that like you're successful and yet there's still things you're working through, right? So you can be both, right? yeah. you don't have to wait for it. So I appreciate you sharing vulnerably and, and just really sharing who you are with us, because I think it will help a lot of leaders say like, I'm not broken. There's not something wrong with me, right? Like other people have had struggles along the way too. And we've all got to just lift each other up to keep going. Yeah. Yeah. A thousand percent. No, I, you know, I said this to you when you were on my podcast, it's like, you know, if people listen to it, it's a bonus, but for me, it's such, it's like my own personal therapy to sit, yes. <laughs> to sit across the screen or the table from somebody and just say for me too. Right. Like, okay. I recognize, you know, sometimes you do, you get in your own head and you're like, God, I failed or I'm not succeeding. Or you see other, you hear other stories and, you know, like I'll listen to the, how I built this podcast. I'm like, they'll say, Oh, we got this article in New York times or this thing happened. And that was it. That was our takeoff moment. I'm like, well, that thing has happened to me or this, like I had a similar experience. That wasn't my takeoff moment. You know, what am I doing wrong? Right. Um, and to remind yourself, like nothing's gone wrong. You're exactly where you're supposed to be. All is okay in the world. And just to, to stay positive and come from a place of gratitude and, and hopefulness and, and hope that, you know, you live to see tomorrow. <laughs> What a beautiful way to end all is well in the world. You're right where you're supposed to be. I think we just end it there. And that's just a beautiful sentiment for everybody to go forth into the day with. So thank you, Elisa, for being here. Thank you, Jamie. My pleasure. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure and hit that subscribe button. So you get the latest episodes as soon as we release them. And remember to keep maximizing your unique leadership superpowers. It truly is the key to building success, both in your career and in life.